Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Patrick Gunning. We recorded this last week in my home in Portland, Oregon. In addition to the many listeners who support the show over at patreon.com slash getupinthecool, this episode is brought to you by Anna Sandy's Violins, a one-person shop in northeast Portland catering to the needs of the fiddle community. Anna restores and sells affordable vintage instruments and specializes in adjusting violins for tone and playability. Shop services include but are not limited to custom bridges, mechanical peg installation, repair, restoration, cleaning, varnish, touch-up, setup, fine-tuning, and bow rehairing. Shop visits are by appointment only. You can find contact information at sandysviolin.com. That's S-A-N-D-Y-S violin.com. Also, come say hi January 13th and 14th at the 2023 Portland Old Time Gathering, where she, Jacob Midas, and Jamie Herman will be hosting a workshop on violin and bow maintenance, as well as offering violins and bows for sale. Last chance to sign up for either my beginner or intermediate four-part banjo workshop series over at CameronDewitt.com slash store, because we start this Sunday. That's linked in the show notes. Let's play some banjo. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with Patrick Gunning. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Patrick Gunning, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Well, it's really nice to be here, Cameron. It's nice to have you. Uh, what did we just play? We just played uh, Sandy River Bell. Yeah. Sandy River. Uh, Sandy. Sandy River Bell. Yeah. Correct. Did I say something? Uh, Sandy River Bell? Oh, that's... No, no, no. I was saying because we're playing in a D. I was making a... Oh, Sandy A whimsical River little nerdy little joke. Why are we playing this in D? Uh, you know, I think it's sort of by way of Brittany Haas and Lana Jonsson, who did oh. it, did a version of it in E-flat or D flat, I, I, you know, interesting. They, they did a duo record, and they did it in some highly unusual key. And a person I played it with uh, played it like that, and I huh. ended up playing it in drop D guitar like that. So somehow ended up playing it in D a bit. Interesting. I don't, I'm not unfamiliar with this with this record. Is this with a, a Scandinavian musician? It is with a Scandinavian. It sounded musician. like a Scandinavian. Uh, name. I probably yeah. Lena Jonsson is a brilliant Swedish fiddle player okay. who studied in America for a while uh, in Boston and just kind of is, is has a lot of old time music in her heart as well. And uh, she recorded a lovely uh, duo record with Brittany Haas. And uh, there's a lot of old time music on it, a lot of Scandi music, but definitely with their own individual takes on it. And so. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a record I appreciate, a vibe I appreciate. What a what a perfect way to start off this interesting eclectic episode. Well, where we're going to be flirting back and forth between those two different traditions. I think that's sort of the order of the day. Yeah, I love it when my guests have the interview planned for me. It's just I can just relax. <laughs> if there is a plan, I wish someone would tell it to me. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, so what came first for you? Uh, what came first for me? Well, definitely old time music came okay. first for me. Great. Um, but in a kind of, I'd say for being more serious about it, Scandinavian music came first for me. Like, okay. which I think the short version is that, you know, I did music in some form most of my whole life with like, you know, this usual Suzuki violin, you know, okay, great. play the yeah. right notes and you're a little kid. And then, you know, but I, it was never something I was serious about. I did, you know, school band and like some abortive attempts at playing pop punk music in high school and you know this, this stuff but nothing really kind of like grabbed a hold of me are there are there any recordings that still exist of patrick gunning play uh, playing pop punk music the only one that may exist would be covers on mandolins oh. uh, which happened later in life um, <laughs> I, I, I think i think that. that the ratio was like 80 percent high school drama to 20 percent music with those activities and uh, and so I went kind of in a roundabout way looking for four chord songs about misery, but with less high school drama and sure. found bluegrass music Yeah, in a roundabout yeah. way, in a roundabout way. But I mean, I think, you know, my dad had played a lot of bluegrass before I was born and okay. kind of left it behind. And what so did that he play? Was, he played mandolin and guitar and sang and was kind of the person who, you know, booked the gigs and kept every, curted all the cats and stuff. And so, but he... Wait, do you mean... Wait, did you have like a family band? No, okay. no, 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 no. That was not the that was not the situation. In fact, I never. Uh, my dad kind of gave that up when before I was born, and so yeah. he'd still play every now and again. But um, it I was going to say I wasn't getting family band vibes. Absolutely like, not. You must have gone to so much therapy. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. You know, I. I but in a, in a weird way, I think that like later in life, I found myself being kind of jealous of the kids who did end up in those type of situations sure. because it was like when the time the light bulb sort of went on. Yeah. You know, I got like a plywood mandolin when I was seventeen, and it's like, mm. oh, all these like noises that I grew up kind of hearing in the background. Yeah. You know, I can, you know, all the things that I kind of learned. You, they let you play them, and you're like, oh. 
Right, the David Grisman and and you know all the bluegrass stuff that I used to listen to growing up, and oh, this is really fun. And then you go to like bluegrass festivals or or you know jam sessions in the neighborhood, and everyone's like really excited that there's someone at the age of fifty who's showing up yeah. to play music, and <laughs> yeah. they're like, play more music, hang out with us, be part of the crew. And I think that like that was really what kind of was the hook for me initially was just like, mm. oh, music before hadn't really been like a big social or welcoming thing, and so yeah. it's like, oh. With bluegrass music, it was kind of like, this is something I know. And it was this really, really cool, welcoming environment. And that was kind of like the initial, like, hook into into folk music was, like, bluegrass, mandolin, and kind of getting into the bluegrass scene. I mean, it kind of sounds like maybe at least some small part of it was having inter intergenerational connection. Absolutely. I mean, I think it was just, like, a fabric of kind of, like... Oh, I assumed everyone would have heard like Peter Rowan, you know, sing it on the Olden and the Way record kind yeah. of things. Like it was just part of the background noise, but certainly without my dad having that like in his background. But yeah. when I grew up, it wasn't like we were going to those shows or listening to that music all the time. It was very like just kind of, I don't know. It wasn't a big part of growing up for sure. Huh. Interesting. But somehow it's still... Yeah, still I think, its way in there. I think what, what my parents did was the, they always made it a little harder for me to quit playing music. <laughs> altogether so i just kind of there was always something in the background of yeah. with music until i kind of found stuff that i really liked in that area and then from there that of course you know opens you know the people who are hanging out in those groups are also playing all kinds of other music and so that like i don't know was my gateway so you started with mandolin then yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i i could pull i could plunk away on a guitar and stuff before then but mandolin was like the first instrument i took like a serious dive into i suppose yeah now all the, that was the height of the Chris Thiele industrial complex, you know. Oh sure, of, yeah. Of mandolin players. How, how old are you? I'm 36. You're 36. <laughs> but certainly, like the first serious music thing I ever went to was the Mandolin Symposium, which was huh. like fiddle camp for mandolin kids back in like 2006, and that was like, oh, there's all these people who are trying, young people who are trying to do cool music in this kind of acoustic folk, you know, mm. fiddle tunes sphere, and you know, there was like a bunch of like 12 year olds to 14 year olds. And then I was like 21 uh -huh. and I was like, I feel like I've missed the boat. The boat was on one <laughs> side or the other of yeah. me. And it kind of felt like that. So I don't know. There is a, I don't know. You, so you're asking like, wait, now how old are you? Kind of like, oh yeah. Cause you know, like Chris Thiele being like, um, there was a very specific moment where there was a, a generally unified response I think to his music. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It was like, is that a nice way of putting it? I think yeah. so. Okay. I think, I think that's a good way of putting it. But I mean, I think it's more just that like, there was a time when he was being really ambitious, but also really accessible. Yeah. And like a way that was like, he was really excited to be pushing the envelope of what was possible for traditional music. And also he was into being a pop punk kid who finally got to do that after a year of, right. after a lifetime of homeschooling. Yeah. And so like those two kind of aesthetics <laughs> yeah. crossing over in the like kind of Nickel Creek and all who wander lost early punch brothers movement were very much like, I don't know, everybody seemed kind of was on board yeah. and it was a cool scene to kind of like, be like, Oh wait, like music is fun. And Oh wow. Like serious music is fun too. Like yeah. music that like, I don't know, it's kind of high level. Right, yeah, because I guess if you were getting into pop punk at the time, in the early aughts, like those genre shifts and what was in the zeitgeist, it was starting to pick up speed in terms of what was cool and when and how long each 
kind of thing would last. Yeah. You know, so I feel like you got in a little bit early because I'm 33. Yeah. And like by the time I started playing like in rock bands and stuff, it was pretty thoroughly like emo and moody and not the irreverent um Blink 182. Yeah, I think I think I like I had the I had the Green Day records and I had like the early AFI records and stuff like that. Okay. So it was a little there's a little crossover, but right. um I, I was definitely the the happy go lucky irreverent, right? Uh, you know that that side of it was was the music I liked. So yeah, it sounds like kind of part of it too is like oh, this is music that takes itself seriously to some extent, and well, that maybe that was yeah. I think it was it was also just like it was like the classical kind of like you know there's like a lot of Bach and kind of like influences and all the mandolin stuff that was yeah. going on the modern things, and then it was like you know all, all that you know it, it was like. A, it kind of neatly, you know, I kind of think about things like a Venn diagram overlap. Like it had all the, the like classical stuff. It had the pop punk stuff and it had sure. the like folk stuff. And so like the early aughts, mid aughts mandolin scene kind of had, had yeah. all of that yeah. in it. And I guess I was, I, I was right there ready to kind of grab a hold of it. Yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot lately about like people who get into you know, a community or a genre like old time, you know, versus people who get into an instrument and then want to see, want to follow everything that the people who play that instrument do. Um, I was thinking about this recently because I think I went to, went to some show where like, is it like a trad music show, but it was very clearly a fiddle camp kid trad music show someone who grew up going to fiddle camp which is a very different relationship it's more of a relationship with the instrument than like a specific like community well and i think weirdly that was what i was looking for like yeah i ended up at bluegrass festivals but like right. the first band i heard was john doyle tim o'brien and casey Dreesen, and yeah. i was literally like well if it's all like this sign me up yeah you know and and i was looking for kind of that scene like i didn't know the fiddle camp scene or kind of like these like yeah kind of cozy instrument centric communities like existed. Yeah. I had no kind of concept of it, but like later in life, I of course met a lot of those people ended up going to Valley of the moon yeah. and some other places like that. And I was kind of like, I'm home, you know, in a kind of weird way that, that felt like, you know, just because of that sense of community around kind of like the instrument more so like we are bluegrass. This is what we do. Our, 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 like, our council of Nicaea got together and like determined that these yeah. Bill Monroe records and these Lester flat records and these, yeah. uh, these Ralph Stanley records are the music. And now we play this music and that is what we do. And I was always kind of a, an ill fit, I think for that uh -huh. type of <laughs> uh, process perhaps. And being a mandolin player that yeah. made that kind of even weirder because that's of course the main area where that exists. But, um, but of course through all of that, I started to get introduced to, to old time music, to Celtic music, and actually a lot of that kind of like fiddle camp music and stuff, and then yeah. also into later later in that process into Scandinavian music. And so I think you're exactly right that there is this like instrument centric yeah, vibe about different. that music. Like I can always tell when I'm playing with a flat picker, for instance, flat picking guitarist who like listens to Norman Blake mm -hmm. as opposed to someone who is a bluegrass guitarist. I feel like there it's, it's like two different genders of guitarists. That, that's <laughs> yeah. an interesting way of putting it. There certainly, 
you know, the, the Tony Rice isms and the, the kind of, uh, blue notes over mash chords yeah. in B kind of like <laughs> people. And then you hear, like, you go back to Norman Blake fields in November and you listen to him play, Lord, won't you help me or something like that. Yeah. And that is a very different yeah. thought process about the instrument. Yeah. Different priorities and different, like, but you know, they come together with a similar techniques, you know, Very much. and they can, you know, hang in each other's spaces, but they came there through a different avenue. Yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying thinking about a uh, 17 year old plywood mandolin, Patrick Gunning, <laughs> fresh from picking on pop punk bands. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting time. Um, but like I said, it's like, I think that's the powerful thing that those, you know, the fiddle camp scene is reacting to is that like, when you get welcomed by a community of music people, it's like one of the most powerful things that can like happen to a person. Yeah, yeah. And so like little plywood mandolin me finding like all these welcoming people in bluegrass being like, yes, come be part of us. Like we want to support and uplift and encourage you to be creative. Yeah. It, it's sort of unfortunately rare that there are like, groups of people in the wild who want to kind of like yeah. openly yeah, and totally. publicly <laughs> support random kids in creative endeavors and make them feel good about that. Like right. when they're kind of still like finding their sea legs. Yeah. Most, I feel like mostly it's like people get that, you know, in their youth, like if they find like one cool, not too problematic drama teacher or something. Yeah. Like, you like, know, it's like, like there's maybe. an alternate universe where we all ended up as theater kids kind of yeah. a thing, you know? Um, I was a big time theater kid. Oh, see, I never, I, I, I didn't go down that like, I like, like a Star Trek multiverse theory where yeah. you like you meet the version of you who like ended up as a theater kid and yeah. uh, Shudder. It's my evil. No, I, I think I think that would have been a pretty cool person. I would have been interested to meet them. Um, uh, but but it's like I don't know, I'm thinking about what you're saying there about music communities, and I think that that's like the common thread for my music. It's been yeah. like like oh this community is really cool and supportive, but like, maybe that's not the music I'd want to play. And I think I would kind of stick around wanting to be like, Oh, I'm going to make this square box fit my, you know, triangular shaped yeah. egg or something <laughs> like that. Um, because I want, you want to be part of a cool community. Right. I, I don't know if you, that was your experience with old time music in any kind of way or like the, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I was, I think I was kind of all in, but Maybe that was more just because I was like, you know, le leaving a religious community and I needed uh, something to fill that <laughs> void as I, I needed a rebound, you know, yeah, well, uh, but that's a whole other interview. Well, I don't know. I, I think that like that was my as someone who didn't have that type of upbringing. But yeah. like then when I was like at the, the fiddle camps and stuff and these gatherings of musicians, I was like, oh, this is wholesome church. Wholesome like, church. Like this is yeah. like this is this is. Accepting yeah. of all people of all of right. all kinds right. and like centered around music, but the kind of like, oh, this is like a community of believers kind of vibe. Right. I think, and I mean this in a positive way, because I think yeah. some people could hear me say that and think that I'm being like kind of, you know, sassy or, yeah. or, or you know, kind of talk, speaking down about it. I mean that in the highest compliment kind of a way. Right. Like it's, it's, I don't know, it's sort of like the good version of that, but not the bad right. version of that. Yeah, and it's like, you know, toxic shit can happen in that kind of community oh, of too. But that hits different when the people who are toxic in those communities 
aren't saying that they understand the secrets of the universe. Yeah, the stakes <laughs> you know? are lower. Yeah. It's kind of like we're talking about the right way to play a jig not, or, or, a, right. or a Polska or, right. a, or, we're not a, talking or about a original sin. Yeah, no, yeah. No, one's, no one's staking the fate of your immortal soul upon like where where, where the upbow goes. Yeah, you know? some are, but yeah. Well, I'm trying not to. At least I, well, for, for my sake, part, I hope yeah. nobody is. Not institutionally. Yeah. What do you want to play next? What do I want to play next? Um, are we sticking in old time? Are we playing more? Or are we well, we could, we, could, we could leave old time. We could go a little Scandi, or we could, uh, we could grab a Scandinavian instrument and go a little old time on, uh, oh, on something. Let's, let's go Scandi and then talk about that for a while, and then maybe we'll come back around. We'll loop back around. Well, and that's... we'll Scandinavian instrument old t- some old time to end with. That sounds like a good yeah. plan. Unless we th- think of something more interesting to do later. Absolutely. Well, what do you want to play first? Oh, well, let's think about that. Well, I sent you a couple tunes. Did yeah. you have any of them that you particularly liked? I loved all of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say the most effortful one for me, which is I'm down to do it. It's just going to be me trying to hang, uh, would be the one in F. Um, the one that's like... Oh, the polonaise. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, that one's interesting, I think, and this may be a cutting room floor conversation, but, <laughs> okay. but the most, but that one's interesting kind of more of it's like, a, where do the tunes come from and where's the like, um, where's the finding of them and that kind of component of that tradition. That's interesting to talk about that from, but, okay. but I'm writing down to play. Let's play one of the other ones. That okay, we'll warm up uh, in, yeah. <laughs> uh, well... Um, so how about uh, how about we do? It's it's Christmas season, so it's appropriate for the tune, which has uh, the melody has some Christmas connotations in Sweden. How about uh, "Skrap Olas Polska" after Gleason? Okay, so I don't I didn't look at the titles. All right, I don't well, know which that, one's which. That's the D one. The D one. Great, great, great. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> um, so I will need you to write all write all of these. Oh, we're gonna you're, 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 absolutely with all the accents and stuff. I they, they, yeah, they, that that bedevils us all. But I I got them for you. Great, great. Uh, and then maybe we can outroduce the tune afterwards and get into your. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, all right, ready when you. Thank you. 
supposed to do major or minor at the end well usually they loop back around and kind of like do like a, a a back to major and then like a walk down but like yeah then you go like Like something like oh, that God. to kind of like be like, ooh, we're done swaying around the room drunkenly. Everyone hug. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Or spinning. Spinning drunkenly. I don't understand. Scandinavian music. <laughs> you, you keep up pretty well for someone who doesn't understand. Thanks. I'm, yeah. Uh, it's like, people keep saying that Polskas are in three. I don't hear it. <laughs> If it's if it's in three, it's in way too big of a three. I was watching you and and uh, Lillian play uh, the other night at Elsden in Portland, and um, I was watching the the stomp pattern, uh-huh. which is like dum dum dum. Correct. <laughs> and I was like, I was trying to do that earlier while learning these tunes, and I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. Well, the problem <laughs> you would have run into with that tune is that 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 one three one is like is what it's like traditional polska step yeah and then that tune is actually a what's called a slang polska which is more of a walking dance tune so that one really is even one two three one two, oh three. and what you have to <laughs> imagine well i probably i probably should have said something about that but but it's because like um and this was something i was fortunate to kind of get um bludgeoned with a little bit during my first trip there which maybe we'll talk about a little bit but is how you really the dance forms for these musics are so connected to those yeah. particular tunes that like i don't know it it's one of those things that until i went over to sweden and was kind of as someone who never danced any sort of traditional music or really with any sort of enthusiasm much at all before that was kind of like oh now i understand after kind of doing some of those dances i need to go to a swedish a well, swedish dance or, That's or, or i just need to take you dancing yeah please <laughs> no so yeah when when did you get into playing swedish music specifically do you play other scandinavian music i at all? know a few norwegian tunes a couple uh danish tunes and a couple finnish tunes but um uh it, most of the music that I play from over there is Swedish music. And I find that that's a lot of the music that I find myself playing today is, is from there more specifically. Yeah. And uh, so that got its start 
the kind of my home bluegrass festival is Wintergrass in, oh, in yeah. Washington. And it's yeah. a lovely place that the Rufos bring in tons of different acts, all kind of connected to the kind of broader acoustic and Americana and fiddle scenes intermixed with all the really great bluegrass they have. And uh, one band they, of course, brought over many times was Vesson. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And the kind of like, you know, Swedish bluegrass festival crossover hit That'll sensation. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was in that same kind of time frame we were talking about, like the the height of the Thiele movement yeah, kind yeah. of era. And they first came over and they, you know, every people who heard them were like, whoa, what is this? And I was like, okay, well, so we're all just doing this now, right? Like we, <laughs> this is better than Salt Creek. Uh, can we, can we, yeah. are we, we're doing this now. Right. And, and that was a kind of like yeah. one of those moments where it was like, I was really more in it for the community and the instrument than like specifically like the, the nuances of the traditional bluegrass material. Yeah. So I was like hit by a lightning bolt by this, but like, because there weren't a lot of people around me who wanted to do it, I, you know, I learned a few tunes and kind of stalled out, I think a little bit. Cause like, I'm, I'm one of those people who's very bad at sitting in my room with a metronome for uh for six months to like learn yeah the 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 stuff you know kind of like off in the lab i tend to be really intense for a little yeah. bit and then kind of peter out which i think is you want to learn on the job yeah well it's not always the best policy um <laughs> but uh so anyway like this that kind of got laid in the background for a while and then a very good friend of mine uh at the time who uh has been on your podcast before uh amy hackinson oh yeah got really into scanning music and we were playing some music at the time and she sort of was going to go over to Sweden and I was like, Oh, that sounds fun. And, you know, we kind of ended up making plans to go to sort of like a Swedish equivalent of something like Rocky grass. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, which yeah. is a thing called Kora festival. And so went there, made a bunch of friends and ended up just kind of falling in love with the music community there, which is this, there's this really great kind of critical mass of really great musicians who are younger folks who are, really cool people and play all these really great tunes. And there, there's a lot of dancing and there's this great kind of social scene around it. And they're, they were highly, I don't know, highly welcoming people. And the tunes are really cool. And after kind of getting that one kind of, just like one week vacation over at, yeah. you know, a, a week long festival and Academy, I was really hooked with it. And so ever since then, I've kind of tried to get back at least once a year and, mm. uh, and hang out with friends and learn more of that music. And at first it was all on, uh, guitar and things like that. And then that was the kind of music that finally made me pull the trigger and like get back into the fiddle again after many, many long years without even having one or owning one or really kind of uh, having fiddle in my life at all. And that was, it was like, oh, Swedish tunes, like dance, fiddle, kind of getting back to it at all. Yeah, because you, yeah, you weren't necessarily trying to do bluegrass fiddling. No, no. Yeah. And, I, and, and to this, you know, if you, like the old time music, even that I play, like I play it much more on, you know, fretted instruments, mandolin, guitar, yeah. and things like that. And I haven't kind of had or made, I think made is probably the correct word because you all have a little more time than we, we think we do. But like the deep dive into like the idiomatic nuances of old time fiddle, I haven't even done it for Scandi fiddle, but that's where it was like, really like, oh, playing these tunes on guitar kind of isn't enough anymore. I, I want to mm. get into the real, the nuances of the tradition and yeah. I'm still... I'm still like a baby beginner with like one toe in the river, but, um, but it's, I don't know. It's really fun music. Hmm. And I think there's a lot of crossover with, uh, with old time music and kind of the ways that it functions in, in Scandinavia. Yeah. I think that out of the different 
traditions that I've attempted to claw hammer. Um, I feel like Scandinavian, maybe it's a tie for like Métis music and like Scandinavian music have been the ones that are like the non old time or non bluegrass, you know, kind of sounds that I've been like, I think I can, I think I can make this work. It's going to take some effort and it's, it's, there's something a little bit more accessible there than trying to play, uh, Irish music, for instance, or Scottish music or Strathspeys or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but that, that gets kind of into the interesting things about like how instruments define genres and things yeah. like that, or how like vocables or like f- musical phrases define right. the sounds of, you know, traditional musics right. or things like that. And I think that you're, you're right. And there, there's that kind of cutting or like the, the harums or like the quick things that are kind of maybe harder. I don't know. I'm, you're the banjo player, but there, there, there's, there's kind of more, this is a walking tune or a dancing tune where the, this kind of steady pulse is the thing that like drives the music. And that, that really is in common with old time music in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's the a thing that, you know, confuses me to no end is how like all these different traditions, you know, we're all, not all of us, but like so many different traditions are using the same set of scales, right? You know, it's like, using major scales, pentatonic scales, uh, only a few of the different modes, you know, but it's all pretty predictable, like between all these different traditions. And yet sometimes I can hear it. And sometimes it just sounds like white noise to me. Um, I think that's, that's like one of those interesting things like Swedish music. There's a whole subset of it in a lot of the tunes from a region called Dalarna and some other places that aren't like, um, I don't know where, where things get a little hairier in terms uh-huh. of the, uh, the intonation and the tonality okay. they're using. There's a lot more what we would call quarter tones and things like that. And, you know, kind of microtonal variations in these things. And I remember from that first trip that I took, I saw these two old men playing very close to each other. They were playing fiddle. And I was like, these old men cannot keep time and cannot play in tune. They're, they're, right. they're, 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 they're like musicianship is broken. And now I know, like, cause I've yeah. learned more about that music. Like if I went back in time to right. that same riverbank now with the listening that I've done, you know, years since then that I would go, Oh, that's like pretty dead on idiomatic playing from Dalana and the intonations that they're using are like, part of the tradition but yeah. like if you don't have the listening background if you've only listened to vasim yeah you're you're they do there's a little bit of that but not as much very small i'm sure they amount. make it very like accessible because of their level of musicianship and because of their performers who who do a bunch of different well, well and, and also stuff. anytime you're you're bringing in you know keyed instruments or fretted yeah, instruments yeah. the kind of ability for people to you know engage in those microtonal traditions although there is one of the Nickel Harpas that Olaf Johansson invests in place that has kind of one of those off or what we would hear as off temperaments. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's a, of course it's a struggle when you bring that in with other, you know, set intonation instruments, like, okay, well, how's that going to work together? And so like the more kind of modernized instrument set, I think kind of limits that in some ways, but that's a, right. but it's, it, but I think the only reason I brought that up is because you were saying like, oh, it's kind of hard to hear it right away and it's like it's amazing how like just kind of prolonged hitting your head into the wall like eventually (laughs) um i don't know does wonders to address that yeah yeah i feel like i can like um force my way through polska 
in a way that feels a little bit more similar to forcing my way through an old time tune. Well, you were doing better than forcing your way through oh, that thanks. tune there. Um, I, and I've heard you play with other people like a, a good friend, Alvin Ekman, who's been on. Ah, uh, Alvin, I, who I still have not met in person. You yet really, you really that. need to meet. Goddamn Alvin. pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I was well, so looking forward to the happy heartaches 2020. <laughs> Absolutely, that will occur in the future, and you will find him to be a lovely, uh, a lovely friend. You will, you were. It will not be any question about whether the two of you will get along. Can't wait. Um, And uh, I think you had like Alicia Jardine from Antarctics as well, and there was kind of like a moment of like, "What are you doing on the banjo to like get at this stuff?" And and that's I don't know. It's interesting because when I went there, everyone was like. Okay, you're an American. Give us 800 old time, and I was like, um, uh, I'm a, I have a, I have a, I have a terribly, I have like half a PhD in weird Chris Thiele noises. Like, you want, you want, you want the round peak tunes? I yeah. do not possess that. And in a weird way, that was kind of also like an impetus yeah. to go like and learn some more old time music as well. Was like that. Um, them being very hungry for old time tunes. They, yeah. the Swedish fiddle players know all the Bruce Malski forward, backwards, and upside yeah. down. And they, you know, it is, there's really a hunger for that music over there. Just like the fiddle players over here right. are all like, what's the coolest Polsky, you know, you know, that's, yeah. the, and that's like a hip thing in the fiddle community. Um, I, I always, I mean, it's, I always appreciate when it is a, a mutual with blessing, like sort of appropriation. It's just like, Let's share each other's stuff, you know, like we're equally nerdy about our own things. And now let's be nerdy about each other's things. I feel like there's a synergistic connection between Sweden and an old time. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's a good way to describe it is everybody is kind of in on it. You know, yeah. the, the, the old time players who are sharing over there and teaching and this like the same with the Swedish players and everybody's, you know, I don't know, just kind of down to have people share in what they think is really cool. I mean, that's, that, that's more or less the best thing you can hope for. Well, what, what do you want to do next? Should we do that F1? You know, we could do that one. I'd have to break out my Saturn, um, which is a, a Swedish instrument that I, or an instrument made by a Swede at least. And, um, and, and that's kind of an interesting tune because of where, uh, where I got it from. And that's kind of part of the like Swedish traditional music where the sources are kind of, interesting thing which is kind of a yeah a little different from the old time music world but um we can do it yeah yeah well explain what this saturn is because i thought this was something else i thought this was like an octave mandolin or a bazooki are there differences between those three things i mean i think the saturn the word saturn is used primarily for a 10 string or a five course version of it oh yeah so you got the, <laughs> you got the low strings here and that basically gives you the low c of a cello okay and they tune it c f c g c so it's really got a lot in kind of common with the modal banjo tunings oh cool and but with octave strings in the lower half and so you got the Swedes love their nylon bass strings on steel, otherwise steel string instruments. And uh, I think uh, Rogatel Rolf from Vessen, the guitarist, uh, kind of started that. Huh. Or, or Ole Muller, who's like another Swedish kind of pioneer of folk music, started that. And like, I think it, it lets them build tops more lightly and more responsibly. Yeah, and so they Because you get big honking piano wire steel strings on something that's, you know, <laughs> very small mandolin top. And right. It, you have to build it very heavily to stand up to that tension. Huh. And so this thing is, it is kind of just an uh, octave mandolin slash mandocello kind of a thing, but um, 
that's kind of a relatively modern addition to the Swedish tradition is those type of instruments. Yeah. My, my impression is that Swedish folks, they're a little less precious about change. Uh, for instance, I feel like I've heard equal parts like modern composed Swedish tunes to, I don't know who wrote this, Swedish tunes. Um, yeah, I think that there's there's a huge active modern tradition and there's not like a as big of a thing about like, we don't just, we don't touch that. You right. Know, we just play the, the, the source record, you know, we yeah. play the traditional tunes. It's not as big of a thing, but I mean, certainly there are, I guess, you know, what you would like the Swedish folk equivalent of the bluegrass police, like they do exist. Okay. But I'd say that the balance is much more like even, or maybe perhaps yeah. in favor of kind of more people who want to be, you know, grounded in the tradition, but also want to be like, no, this is a living tradition and we are actively writing new tunes and working yeah. on new ways to play this yeah. music. And, uh, and it's, yeah. So there's all kind. there are also all kinds of innovations in instruments and how things are being played. And, you know, it's, I'd say in that it's maybe more like that than the American scene, but it's difficult to like put any kind of. Right. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, old time we're just like, I, it's almost died a couple times. Well, well, <laughs> you know, well, part of it is like this tune that we're going to play, um, is a, a Polonaise, uh, it's from something called, and I'm maybe pronouncing this wrong, the Six Drege Semlingen, which basically means a collection of tunes from this region called Six Drege. And there were these fiddler's notebooks that were gathered in this region oh. from like the 1770s. Cool. Like basically this tune comes from a fiddler named Johannes Bringelson, who was a 16-year-old, hand, long-hand writing like all the hot dance tunes yeah. that came through his farm community to play for the dances and to play for people and just kind of like longhand writing and like, Oh, I heard this cool tune. All right, let's, you know, put it in the notebook. And then, then later on people are going and reconstructing these tunes, but you know, the, the continuity of the live tradition from like 1774 to now is, you know, I'm not a scholar in this. So take everything that I say with a kind of like, I heard this once from someone at a music festival, grain of salt, but like, it's it's interesting that they have this kind of even older source that's right. like fixed. That's not right. like there wasn't just this period of oral a u r a l transmission, yeah, yeah. you know, of the music, and then we kind of have like all of a sudden there's a spotlight in like the 1900s of like recorded music that we now have, like in old time. It's really different. It's different yeah. because you do have this kind of like more written archival stuff that is from an older time, but. You know, you just look at the, you know, the eighth notes on the page and that doesn't tell you a lot about right. how idiomatically to play it. And so, I don't know, it's it's interesting to kind of, because that's also a component of like reconstructing older things and stuff. I think that kind of might play a part in more accepting of like, okay, we're trying to figure yeah. out ways to do this. But there's equally just like a living tradition of people who've learned from people, from people, from people down through hundreds of years. So it's both kind of coexisting yeah. simultaneously. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. Uh, well, this tune, what is it called again? It's it's um, it's Sex Drago Polonaise number 32, because it's the 32nd one in the, in the, book, in the book. Yeah, that this 17-year-old transcribed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from Johannes Bringelsen's notebook. And okay. I believe uh, 1774, but I could be 
And uh, me and me and a friend, uh, Morgan O'Shaughnessy, who was working at the early music uh, department at UCLA, dug this one out of the archive when we were um, kind of doing some work with the early music ensemble there mm. and like kind of early Scandinavian music, yeah, which kind of, and how it relates to Baroque dance music, which I think you'll kind of hear in this tune yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, this tune is nonsense to me, so I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to play it with you. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs>
does it make any more sense now? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was really lovely to play with you. Yeah. Yeah, because I've only heard you play this in that um, some sort of cathedral or something. Yeah, it, it's there's a there's a church in L.A. that's like this. Oh. Baptist Church in Glendale, which the has Baptist Church. Wow. Yes, yeah. and it was you know constructed at the height of you know the, the early 20th century in California. Oh. Everybody was flush with money. They built this cathedral with a Ryman Auditorium in the middle of it. You know, just majestic yeah. space. Huh. And the sad thing is, it's like the best sounding space in the city of Los Angeles, and there's maybe 50 people left in the congregation. Oh, interesting. So, but it's still active. Yeah, it's still active, and, yeah. and there, there are no danger of like disappearing. They're, they're, the yeah. church has plenty of resources. It's just like, it, as a musician, I just kind of find yeah. it weird, like knowing there's this beautiful space there, and that it's, you know. I don't know. I, if I had my way, many, many beautiful concerts would be hosted there. Right. But it's really, you know. You know, my friend and I could, you know, he was kind of doing some work there and it's just like, oh, we can just kind of go in the upper gallery and hang out anytime and play and record and sound like the the choir of angels is behind yeah. us. And it's, it's really cool, but it's also kind of just, you know, sad knowing that that space is kind of days as a living community space or probably yeah. in some ways numbered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it'll be repurposed and, you know, what, who knows? Sure. What, I just hope <laughs> nobody knocks it down and builds a bunch of boring condos or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about <laughs> the, you know, the development of church buildings and things. Some of those buildings are pretty cool and I think should have a second life. <laughs> well, I think particularly the ones that were constructed in that sweet spot before the advent of electrical amplification. Yeah. Because the whole concept was someone, a single person speaking had to be heard by everyone and a choir had to sound good. And right. the, the acoustic requirements for that yeah. kind of thing are highly highly advanced and so it's like i don't know just i feel like a lot less thought is put into music spaces or kind of spaces where listening is at a paramount these days and so i don't know whenever i get into those old spaces all the questionable things you talk about totally understood i still feel (laughs) i don't know even just as like from my own secular perspective i feel a lot of positive emotion about those kinds of the sound in those spaces anyway having rooms that are built for people to sing in all together you know this is rare indeed, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's, but it's interesting to think about you know things being repurposed, like I was talking about with yeah. that like church room, but like also tunes being repurposed. I mean, you think Johannes Bringelson had any idea that a clawhammer banjo player in America would be playing a polonaise from his notebook <laughs> three hundred and fifty odd years later? Right. Yeah. You know, that's that's a that's a head trip right there. Yeah, that's like before of, the banjo was like fully appropriated. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And yeah. and of course that tune, you know, it's like that tune actually is kind of being repurposed in Sweden too. All these mm. old polonaises are now being played for dance for Slangpolska because so like yeah, because it feels... What's the difference between the two? It's They feel similar It's a me. similar feel. You know, I'm, this is something where I don't have the the correct, you know... I, I haven't done the the, uh, the full, like, de- music degree in this. But I feel like the answer is... It, it's just a different dance. But they're similar... I will call them, like, um, uh, even beat tunes in three with the pulse kind of at one, two, three. And so the dance people do in Sweden to that today is Slangolsko. I mean, people, some people know how to dance a polonaise, but it's like, if you go to the, you know, the, the lodge at Trenseter, which is like a big fiddler gathering, you'll find, you know, 300 people, young people dancing Slangolsko together, filling a giant hundred foot long, 150 foot long barn mm. is 
every inch of the dance floor packed, all like churning in a circle, doing all kinds of cool turns and stuff. And so people want cool new tunes, and so they go back into the notebooks and they're yeah. like, "Oh, well, this will work for that." Yeah, and, you know. work. <laughs> well, no, and, and it's yeah. and there's a lot of those tunes kind of being reused for that purpose, and it's yeah. like I don't know, it's just cool to see old traditions hmm. repurposed in different ways. Banjo podcast, different kind of dance, you know, all the same thing. <laughs> Well, um, I'd love to play this A tune. Yeah, yeah. This is. I was thinking about playing this banjo for it. Yeah, yeah. Get that one out. This is. This is a tune I actually learned on my very first trip to Sweden um, uh, from uh, the aforementioned Mr. Ekman. And um, uh, he. Ooh, ooh. Intri- I, this, I, I color me intrigued at <laughs> what this is going to sound like. Let me get it. <laughs> no, that, that was a good noise. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it's 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 another one of these kind of major minor ones like that when we just uh, were playing Scrap all us so I don't know I'll be interested to hear how this sounds too. <laughs> I took all of the thirds out of my tuning, so <laughs> I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, What's it called? It's called Slang Polska Fran Merka, which means the Dark Island Merka. Oh, wow. And so that's a cool tune. Dark Island, you know. Dark Island, yeah. yeah, It's just, but it's a real island somewhere, not like a hypothetical fantasy island. Cool. (laughs) I mean, it really just sounds like you're saying America. Yeah, yeah, Merka. Merka. (laughs) We say it. Slang Polska from Merka. From Merka. You know, it's like, I don't know, that's that's not really the energy (laughs) goal. At least I hope it's not the energy. I appreciate you learning these, these oh, tunes. So They're some fun. of my very favorites, and so I, would, I, I mostly just was selfishly like, yeah. "Oh, I'm gonna teach Cameron the ones I wanted to play with next." That's time. What I want to do. <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you. 
gosh. Uh, cool tune. Yeah, Slankolska from Merka. We have time for one more. Yeah. And before we do, uh, I guess we should just tease real quick. Yeah. Upcoming recording project with you and Lillian Sawyer. Yeah, one of the things that I'm working with while I'm here in Portland is uh, uh, Lillian Sawyer, who was just on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and is a lovely fiddle player, and I'm really grateful to get to play some music with, uh, and I are going to be recording some music here in the coming weeks, and uh, hope to get a EP out to the world here soon, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing, I'm really excited about it. Your twin fiddling together is so lovely. Oh, thank you. And I'm so excited much. for more folks to hear it. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put a couple of those twin fiddle things on the record then. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I guess maybe for now, the best way that people could stay up to date. Yeah. With, like when, when there's more news about that is like follow you on Instagram. Yeah, hit me up on Instagram. Just yeah, my great. name Patrick Gunning at Instagram with a yeah. with a dot in the middle of it. Yeah. And I guess if there's any, like, uh, uh, anybody being prosecuted. No, 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 no. That's, that was, uh, we're leaving the lawyering out of it. But, um, but no, uh, I hope, I certainly hope that no one has a terrible tragedy where they are catastrophically mangled befall them and need my help. I hope all your listeners stay safe out there and no tragedies befall them and I can do nothing to help them. Great. <laughs> Lovely. Cool. Well, what do you want to play for our final tune? We teased an old time tune on a. Yeah, what do we want From to do? a Swedish instrument. Maybe, maybe we should do something with the citron and the banjo. It's, uh, I hadn't quite particularly settled on anything, but maybe uh, maybe just something uh, something simple. Maybe like Road to Malvern or something like that. Yeah, just yeah, like absolutely. Little, just a little, let's go get back to where we once belonged. Yeah. Something like that. We don't have to rush to Malvern. Okay. Right, we'll get yeah, there when we, we get there. We can get the slang pulse to Malvern. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. 
Make sure you're following Patrick and Lillian on Instagram so when they officially announce their upcoming recording project, you know where to get it. I put links in the show notes or you can find them at patrick.gunning and at Lillian Sawyer Fiddle on Instagram. Please support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's linked in the show notes along with links to my banjo lessons, my band, my other podcast Think Outside the Box set, and Get Up in the Cool merch. Last chance to sign up at camerondubit.com slash store for my beginner or intermediate claw hammer banjo workshop series taking place every Sunday in January 2023. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.